I'm continuing our our Generous Church uh, vision series that we're doing through September. uh, And this morning I'm looking at financial giving. Yeah, you see, you were more excited about worship the other week. Um, Financial giving and all this Generous series is rooted in the grace of God, in his gospel. It's rooted in the finished work of Jesus that we've been rightly singing about this morning. It's rooted in his generous love and his kindness towards us. Um, Joe mentioned last week the passage uh, Paul writes to the Philippian church where he says our our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And if we're becoming disciples of Jesus Christ, then all of this shaping of his example in our lives should uh, mean that we respond to him generously in our life of worship, in our love for one another, yes, in our financial giving, and also in our serving, which we'll look at next Sunday as well. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. It'll appear on the screen as well. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, and I'll pick up uh, from, uh, from verse 1. We'll just read a few verses to give us a, a context together. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did so, uh, and they did not do so as we expected. Let's get that right. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich." And then just a few verses over in verse, uh, chapter 9, Paul continues his, his theme and we'll pick it up in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let the Lord's people say an amen, please, to those verses. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your kingdom is at work amongst us. We see the signs. We thank you for this week of prayer, the things that you've awakened in our hearts again as we've come before you with open hearts. We pray, Lord, continue to grow your kingdom, even in this very specific area of our financial giving. Lord, would you shape our hearts as disciples of yours this morning? Would you give us a gift of faith? And may we learn and grow together for the sake of your glory and the expansion of your kingdom. Lord, not just to the 100,000 plus around us here, but to the nations of planet Earth, we pray. There are no limits. You are able to make all grace abound. And so we trust you to speak to us and stir us again this morning. Amen. Amen. We uh, use this phrase, we're using it this week in the, in the prayer week, that we have a vision which outweighs our resources. I feel that at home, and we certainly feel that corporately together as well. We have a vision which outweighs our resources. One of the taglines on that that we've often used is that the only limit that is on us is whether we believe our generous God could express his love for Crawley 
through the likes of people like you and me. If he can, then there's no limits to his grace working through us. But if that's going to happen, then there are some discipleship issues that are at stake in our hearts. We've got some worldly thinking to lose, particularly with regard to money and possessions. And we've got some kingdom thinking to be shaped in. So this morning really is a bit of a discipleship vision review uh, on our giving. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, some simple biblical principles on on money uh, and possessions and discipleship. And then we'll look for a few minutes on how does it all work here and hang together with regard to our finances. Uh, And then, of course, what are we asking you to do about it? What are we going to do about it together Uh, and look at our heart response? It's just worth me saying, and Justin's welcomed you if you're a guest here this morning, but if if you are a guest, we're not after your money. And uh, you may have thought, oh no, these guys are always speaking about money. They've just reinforced my view about churches. I haven't spoken on money here for about two years. You're just unlucky this morning. Uh, But maybe it's it's great news. So we're really not after your money. In fact, church members, we're not after your money. What we're after is hearts that become more and more like disciples of Jesus Christ. And I think when we get that right, God takes care of the money, and and perhaps today, teenagers, guests, uh, adult church members, there are some discipleship principles of value that we can learn together. Um, So the first thing to say then uh, is that everything in our world and everything in our culture out there, certainly in the West, is against the idea of generous financial giving. Uh, The way that we think as disciples now just seems completely opposite, at odds, upside down, uh, pointless, Even the world might think you're putting an unnecessary strain on your personal finances by trying to give generously as a disciple. It may be, even just in saying that, that you realise, wow, I'm more shaped by the world culture than I am by a discipleship culture. Perhaps some thinking needs to change in us. Uh, Last month, when we still had summer, um, do you remember that? Um, I had a lovely walk around Tilgate Lake with Dave Swan, just picking his brains. Dave's really good on this stuff. Dave was just reminding me about these ideas of, of contract versus covenant. Let me unpack what we mean by that. Um, everything in the way we've been brought up and the way society works here in the West, we're wired to think that, that we're programmed to think that if, if, we, if we, we give money or we serve in some way in order to get something back, it's that kind of uh, contractual arrangement that, that operates in society, isn't it? Um, it's how the world, uh, the world of contract works. We make a, a, a decision process every time. Um, what's this worth to me? What kind of investment is this for the return that I will get on it? How will I benefit from this exchange? And uh, that's a kind of, it's a merit, a works-based system of thinking. It's actually at odds with the gospel. And, and that's where we clash straight away. Um, it's thinking that is rooted in the language of the Bible, in, in the law, in the old covenant. And if we read our Bibles, and we've, we've reveled in the gospel of grace this morning already in our worship, we realise that we don't relate to God any longer under the old ways of the law. Thank you, Jesus. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's brought us into an altogether more fruitful way of living and giving and serving. Um, now, now the it's not that there isn't value in the contract way of operating. You know, you, you go to work, you fulfill your work contract, you receive finance. That's great. That's a really good thing. We're not saying chuck it all in and go and live in the hills. We are saying with regard to the way that we operate as disciples of Jesus Christ, we operate out of covenant. We're rooted in love. It's a Christ-like um, serving and giving uh, um, methodology that we operate in where we're thinking all the time about the greater good. We're motivated by serving Jesus and blessing others and seeing his bigger picture rather than thinking, what's the exchange worth for me? And This is shown always by our 
actions, what we, what we think inside works out in the way that we behave. We know that's true in all other areas of life. It's true in how we think about money and finance uh, as well. So giving and serving generously, and I'll speak about serving um, more deliberately next Sunday, giving and serving generously will always come out of right thinking and a right relationship and a right understanding of who God is. If we, if we haven't got that foundation right, then we're, we're going to struggle to pull away from the culture of the world. This example we saw in Corinthians, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, but he's holding up and commending to them the example of another church in Macedonia. This example is really helpful for us in drilling down into this. Do you note in verse 2 of chapter 8, Paul tells the Corinthian church that in spite of the hard-pressed circumstances of the guys in Macedonia, this, uh, this church community is still lifted up uh, as an example in giving. He says they were enduring severe trials. If you're going through severe trials that, that impact upon your finances, surely the right response would be to cut back sensibly, to reassess, maybe to have an era of austerity, those kinds of things. There can be some wisdom in that. But Paul says with regard to their generous giving towards the Lord Jesus Christ, they overflow with joy in spite of their severe trials. They gave with rich generosity, welling up. It, you get the impression that you just couldn't stop them, even though their circumstances were so very difficult. What we see here is a, is a great glimpse of kingdom culture in all its upside-down splendor. Um, so we come out from under the law. We come into the new way, the new law of the grace of God. We're serving and giving to be a part of something bigger, to catch God's heart, to build the kingdom together. When we start to get that, we can begin to respond like the Macedonians did. I love in verse 4 where Paul says, they pleaded with me in order to share in this service for God's people. Can you imagine that? It'd be like me going to Dave Holden uh, with New Ground and saying, uh, Dave, it's really tight for us right now in Crawley. We're going through some severe trials and pressure on our finances, but how can we serve you and bless you more with the finance that we have? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Wow. Either you're, you're so locked in with me, or, or already I've frightened some of you. I don't know which it is, but I'm just going to keep going anyway. It's the only way I know. Um, some of you may have heard me talk about Sophie, uh, a friend of ours who's an asylum seeker in the first church that we planted many years ago. Now we were doing uh, an, our first gift day for our work with asylum seekers that we were gathering. And Sophie came to me after the meeting. She'd been serving in our, in our kids' work and hadn't been in while we'd done the heap offering. And uh, she came to me and she gave me an envelope for our asylum seekers' work. I tried to give it back to Sophie, um, knowing how little she had as, a, as an asylum seeker here. And I said to her, Sophie, this offering is for you and people like you, so we can serve you. She came from a very respectful African background and she looked me in the eye and she said, Pastor, you must not stop me giving my worship to the Lord and gave me back the envelope again. Um, I learned a lesson that day from Sophie. Um, here's a lady who's understood covenant or contract. Here's a lady who's understood give and receive or worship uh, out of overflowing joy. And we see that in this passage with the, the Corinthian church and the, the Macedonians. I love the way in verse 5 Paul says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. So our generosity in giving is, is rooted in worship. It's rooted in the grace of God. It's not motivated primarily by loyalty to leadership or to a fundraising need. Ah, oh, Steve and the elders, they're asking us to give a bit more, try a bit harder. We, we don't put totalizers up outside the church. Oh, you know, we want to build trust and loyalty in our leadership. That's a good thing. But that can tip over into a manipulative way of operating. No, no, they gave first to the Lord. It's a joyful response, firstly, to God and to his mission on planet Earth. Money is, as you're working out already, it's so much about discipleship. It's never just about money. 
Verse 9, I, I, I love, I've sung it in songs. It's just an amazing passage on the grace of God and, and the gospel um, where um, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's about discipleship in the gospel. It's a generous response of worship to the generosity of God at the totally undeserved gift of grace to us in Jesus Christ produces obedience and love and worship and generosity in us. I read a quote this week from Alan Scott, a vineyard pastor. He said, we don't worship for an outcome, we worship as an offering. Again, I think that sums up some of the stuff Dave talked to me about around the lake uh, last month. We don't worship for an outcome, we worship as an offering. In the end, we give our money, our time, our best to God because we love him, because we love to worship him. There is a sense of obedience. Rightly, we're commanded to give. We'll look at a passage in a moment. But our motivation primarily is one of, as, as children who are loved by God, so happy to give back to God. And so when we come to looking at the specifics in a moment, this heart attitude of overflowing joy in generosity is released and originates from the gospel here in verse 9. This self-giving attitude of Jesus Christ towards us. So with this DNA in us, Along with the Macedonians, we also perhaps could begin to excel in this grace of giving, as Paul says to them. So giving is a part of our life of obedience. It starts the day we repent of our sins uh, and we trust in Jesus Christ to lead our lives. We mentioned the baptisms coming up soon. Giving starts at that point in every way. The moment I say yes to Jesus, the moment I take the first step of obedience, it continues with obedience in baptism continues every day then where I make decisions about the lordship of Christ that means I'm, I'm going to rebel against the culture and the pressure of the age and instead I'm going to choose to trust God to provide for me to forgive my sins to, to meet my needs just as he's promised everyday steps of obedience are, are rooted in this stuff I, I was just reflecting this week and I, I realized uh, Joe talked about his great parenting last week I, my mum and dad did well with me and my sisters I, I, I learned to give as a young man when we were very young um, I started giving, uh, uh, putting some in the offering at church as soon as I had a paper round. I remember when I, when I first got my proper job uh, and, and was able to, to give. We wrote checks in those days. It's a long time ago. Um, and I just found it just became a, a, a principle of, of obedience and love in, in worship that grew in my life. We've tried imperfectly with our own three uh, children, really from a very young, uh, young age, to encourage them and to help them to, to rejoice in giving generously. Just a word to those of us that have the privilege of being parents, don't assume that your children will get discipled in this stuff. If you assume as parents that the culture of the kingdom will shape them, then, then I think we'll find that it doesn't because there is a primarily worldly, primary worldly culture that is shaping them 24-7 unless we choose to disciple our kids in this kind of stuff. Discipleship starts at home. And uh, the mantra in our house you'd have heard, and they could probably repeat it now when they were little, every time they got a pound from Aunt Betty uh, or 20p pocket money or whatever it was back in those days, or a gift on their birthdays, they'd say, give some to Jesus as a thank you, spend some, whoa, and save some as well. We're trying to just model discipleship, give some, spend some, save some. Uh, and uh, these, are, these were tiny, oh, we're not talking about big amounts. I remember we had gift days and stuff where our kids would put in some tiny amounts as parents, we'd just be rejoicing quietly, thinking, God, you're doing something in their hearts. Let, let me tell you, tiny, don't worry about the amount. Tiny amounts given joyfully, faithfully, consistently produce big discipleship foundations in our lives. That deserves an amen, that one. 
So our money, our, our, um, our generosity and our giving needs to line up with our daily decision. I'm going to follow and trust Jesus. Whether you're learning that for the first time here, we've got some brand new believers here at the moment. Um, whether your parents are teaching your children, whether your teenagers that are first getting Saturday jobs and weekend jobs, those kinds of things. Um, and for the rest of us, we're reaffirming and reviewing today as we look at this stuff. Let me just remind you, if you weren't aware of it, materialism is a god, and it's a very powerful god. Chris Taylor at Ashburnham um, spoke really well one evening, I think, about uh, modern-day idolatry. Well worth a listen on the Newground website if you get a chance to review uh, that one. This old-fashioned Bible word, idolatry, covers what materialism is really, really well. We, we break the first two commandments and break God's heart every time we give in to materialism, where God says, you'll have no other gods before me. Worship the Lord your God above all others. We, we miss this amazing opportunity. Every time we give in to materialism and bow before materialism, we miss the opportunity to allow God to express his love and his care through his kind provision for us when we take matters into our own hands. We can learn that at any age. Idolatry in materialism, what does it look like? Because it sounds a bit weird. It means I put my trust in my money, my savings, my ability to provide, um, our earnings, my investments, my pension, my finances, my lottery ticket, whatever it may be that you put your trust in over and above trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for his provision and his grace that is able to abound in all things at all times in every good work so that we have all that we need. It's the very opposite of the kind of worship that we're called to. In um, March 2001, long, long time ago now, Kaz and I made a decision, made a decision that, that, we, that I would uh, walk away from what was a pretty secure job um, and, a, and a really good pension um, to trust God to provide for us and our family um, in his call on us to lead the church that we'd helped to plant full-time. I've been doing it for uh, four or five years, leading the church, but working in my job, it came to the point where, um, where we needed to see a release, and we trusted God, um, made some pretty big calls, and we found month after month, week after week, year after year, we saw the faithfulness of God proved time after time. I know many of you could stand and give testimonies to those kinds of breakthrough moments from God as well. I, I've been reflecting on those again this week, but I, I can, if I'm being honest with you, and I am, in spite of God's proven faithfulness time after time, I still find this idol of financial security can sometimes still be a daily battle for, for me. It goes, the, the idea of, of, of giving to God goes against every materialistic message that bombards me. And, and so I still find, I have to say daily sometimes, even more than daily, by the hour, God, I, I want to die to this way of thinking. I've, I've, please help me to trust you again with, with, with my money, with your money, um, with the money you've put in my hands. Um, giving generously is one of the antidotes to battling with the, the idol of materialism. Um, it helps me, and I can only speak for myself, um, to realign my, my attitudes as a disciple, to say, I'm going to trust your provision for me, God. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to trust you for, for my life, for my family, for this church, for the vision you've called us to. How else do we do it here? What other things do we teach about? You still with me? Yeah? Great. No, no one's walked out yet, so that, that's good. Um, you never know, do you, with this stuff? Um, we, we try to teach uh, a model of good stewardship. Jesus speaks a lot about how we steward things in, in the Bible. We, we really want to encourage people to give um, out of what we have, not out of what we don't have. 
Again, there are groups of Christians that have developed erroneously an, an idea that gets called prosperity teaching, the prosperity gospel, take some verses of the Bible out of the context. I, I don't believe for a moment that we should treat God like a slot machine. Uh, again, it's a contract idea. Um, you know, if I give to God, I'll receive more back financially. I put the pound in, I get the fiver out. Uh, it's a total distortion of the, of, the, of the good news of Jesus Christ in the gospel. It is true to say that when you give financially, you may well be blessed financially over and above what you gave. Many times we've seen that to be true. Uh, but it's not always true. What is always true is that God always blesses. He always cares for our needs in all kinds of other ways as well. But we should never have this idea of giving in order to get more money back. It's, it's really just another form of selfishness, immaturity, um, manipulation, those kinds of things. We're commanded in the Bible to give out of what we have, uh, to, to give out of what we have, uh, and to do so generously and sacrificially. When I teach on money and finance, I don't tend to teach on tithing. Tithing, if, if you're not sure, it's a Bible word. It's, it's an Old Testament uh, from the era before uh, Jesus came to release us from the law. Um, it's, it's an idea, a good idea, whereby people gave 10% of their kind of first fruits, their first income. Sometimes it was crops and animals. Um, but these days people would think about it as a tenth of their, of their salary or their earnings. It's an Old Testament idea. It's been superseded by the greater generosity of giving that's opened up for us with the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. However, though we don't teach on tithing as a principle, it's a great place to, to start. What we find in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where we just looked briefly this morning, is that it speaks about proportionate giving, joyful giving, considered giving, prayerful giving. It shows that God sees our hearts. And because giving is such a useful disciple-making tool in his hands, I think God's much more interested in our hearts than in the amounts that we put into offerings. Um, it's probably why Jesus gives that observation in the Gospels of the, of the poor widow who put in a tiny amount into the offering but did so sacrificially uh, over and above the kind of loud, boisterous, generous, give, apparently generous giving of the, of the rich ruler. I think as I said earlier, when we get our hearts right, God tends to take care of the amounts and seems to make all kinds of generous things grow around us. Proportionate giving does mean that, that some are able to and blessed in order to be able to give away way beyond the level of a kind of 10% sort of tithe level. 1 Timothy 6.18, um, uh, at the end of a little passage again on, on, uh, on money and the, the snare of, of, of money, Paul says to Timothy to instruct the churches that he's serving, command those who are rich to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. If you are rich this morning, and in world terms we're all rich, but I appreciate there are grades of that amongst us. If you're rich this morning, here's some straight talking to the rich. We don't do that very well from our British culture. We don't talk this way. And again, we're nervous about manipulating people and their finances. But it is true to say God has blessed some with more wealth. And the expectation as a disciple of Jesus who has been blessed with wealth or a business that prospers or, or finances that are above and beyond your own personal needs is that we can be over generous and joyful with exceptional amounts of giving. Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich. He doesn't say, hey, if you've got a little bit left over, it would be really, really good if you could help our fundraising drive. He says to disciples, you command them, uh, that out of the generosity of God, uh, they are to release this kind of finance. I'll tell you what, we're uncomfortable sometimes talking about this stuff. The idea about proportionate giving, rich or poor, in the gospel is a big, big challenge to us. If we're wealthy, it's a big challenge. If we're poor, it's a big challenge, because God's interested in our hearts. 
We're encouraged to, and these passages hint at it, um, giving into the local church first as an expression of our financial giving. The biblical principle right through the story of the early church is one where church members lay down their money at the feet of recognised leaders for them to use as they see fit for God's kingdom plan. Here with the Macedonians, their primary commitment to the God of grace, they express that practically by giving sacrificially to Paul and his apostolic team. I'm aware in our era, um, there are um, loads of amazing good causes and charities which many of us here support. In fact, I'm really aware through Joe's amazing stewardship, we we support around 45 um, street children in Africa, uh, in Zambia, through our our connection with Joseph and Lillian Wheeler um, and the Street Life Project there. These are amazing things, and there are loads of other, I mean, every day I get emails or things through the door, really good things, opportunities for us to give over and above, but I think the principle of Scripture is that we give first and foremost into the local church. It may be that some of us just want to make a prayerful adjustment to reflect this in the coming days. Maybe some of us need an attitude adjustment. Maybe uh, you just look on your bank statement at the money that goes out to the local church. You just see it as another, another charity giving tick on your bank statement, rather as a priority in your worship and your giving. Perhaps the Lord wants to speak to you about that. In the end, um, I got distracted by bank statements. Bank statements say a lot about what we really believe as disciples. Uh, I'm not going to show you my bank statement now, unless you show me yours. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we put our hands in the air on a Sunday. We say, and we do mean it, that we're investing in an eternal kingdom, expanding kingdom. But I wonder if our bank statement shows, actually, I'm investing more in, in Sky Sports or in saving for a holiday that's even way beyond what we actually need or storing up treasures on earth. Please, I'm not picking at holidays or Sky Sports or some treasures on earth, but my statement really shines a light on the deep priorities of my heart. Maybe yours does too. So briefly, um, still here, yeah? Great stuff. So how does it work here in the light of these New Testament principles? UK churches generally are set up as as charities. Um, Churches, in accordance with the New Testament, are led by teams of elders, but because we set up as a charity, we rightly, and we want to, work with trustees who are members of the the church. Trustees ensure that we have a right UK legal compliance and that we do really good, uh, transparent financial stewardship. Um, Being being set up as a charity as well means that we get to benefit from gift aid, the money the government give back to us. If you're a UK taxpayer, that's amazing. It also means working with a trustee team that we have some accountability together with elders and trustees, which I think is really, really important. And we're learning more and more to work with elders and trustees together to ensure not only good stewardship, but as a sense of team together, a real faithful vision uh, as we move forward with our local church vision. Uh, we work with budgets. I've been working uh, since the end of August on, a, on, on the 2018 budget for our, our ministries that God's called us to. We've, you may have heard us if you've been around in prayer meetings and at other times. We've already got a kind of outline idea about some things that we feel God's challenging us to in the year 2020. But as well as the kind of big budget, further ahead stuff, just like we do at home, we, we, we're dealing all the time with trying to make wise decisions about day-to-day spending, recognising that the money we have in our hands is sacrificial giving that's been given by you guys. Um, We try to exercise a really simple wisdom in how we do that and work together as a team on that and have some helpful limits on the kinds of decisions we can make. We certainly don't have a a spend-spend culture any more than we have a tight-tight culture. I don't think either cultures are rooted in the grace of God. 
Um, I'm aware many of our leaders and team, not just on staff, but serving as volunteers as, as well. I know many of you actually absorb some costs um, that would be on the church budget into your own personal budgets as well because you don't want to put a burden on the church. That's hugely commendable. Again, I'm not always sure it's right, but it's, it's wonderfully commendable. Um, as an elder, as the guy that leads the team and our team of elders, we, we don't know what you give. Uh, I don't get given a list. Uh, there is a list, and one or two trustees are aware of that because they need to for our banking and our, our stewardship. Uh, but I don't know. Um, we don't want the kind of manipulative discipleship that means that I may have a conversation with you and fear talking straight to you because I know you're one of our big givers. I just want to be able to deal with you as the gospel says rather than through any kind of weakness in my heart. Uh, so that's why we operate that way. I'm being very honest with you this morning, a little bit of the inside track. Um, the New Testament shows that the kind of lives given up fully to Jesus Christ and to his cause through giving and generosity um, produce a certain type of, of church on a mission. And we say we want to be a New Testament church, therefore we want to be New Testament in this as well. So the same kingdom values that come out of that, that generous DNA exist for us in Crawley as well. Primarily, our money, therefore, is going to be targeted, I, I would say, at four main things. Our financial giving into the apostolic mission, and lots of what we do ticks that box. Uh, supporting, developing, releasing leaders, extending the kingdom of God through seeing people saved and added and growing in their discipleship, and our care for the poor as well. They're the four main things. And, and that all works out here through the finances that, that you, you give, as we do a little review here this morning. Our financial commitments, again, they're like any other household. We've got bills to pay, uh, we've got staff, buildings, ministries uh, that function in the direction of those four main things that I've just outlined to you, uh, whether it's releasing someone like me to lead the team and preach uh, and teach, or whether it's ministries like you know, our growing kids' work and, and solid, our youth work, our daytime work, uh, jungle tots, all the other outreaches uh, that, that function in line uh, with the mission of the kingdom of God in and around Crawley, whether it's the outreach base in the town centre that we call Revive, the cafe and the shop, all these things come under uh, the heading of, of, of the finance that we give out in order to fulfil the mission of God. That's not an exhaustive list, there are other things as well. Um, and then we want to give money away, we want to serve the poor. We do that very locally through things like Feed Crawley and other ministries, but also partnering with the New Ground family of churches, with the big plan for the nations. Um, we're bearing, as a local church here in Crawley, much of the, the cost of helping to get the church plant in Cluj established and some of the other work into Romania. Um, we're bearing a big chunk of the cost for the video you just saw, sending us uh, on this kind of door-opening, bridge-building mission with New Ground into Brazil. Th these are the kinds of things that we pick up on our, our tab. And then, of course, we've got a big chunk of money that you give that supports our staff that release us into those ministries as well. Still with me, yeah? Yeah. Hopefully it's not um, too uh, technical, uh, but giving you an idea of, of what it all goes to. Um, in terms of pure church staff, um, you're looking at, at one guy here. I have the privilege of leading the team. Um, Joe is an elder, one of the six elders, but is on the staff. Actually, Joe has a part-time role with us although you may not realize that because he works so hard here, but he works part-time also for New Ground, doing communications excellently with them. Kaz has been released um, by the trustees and the elders to work with me, help me, support the eldership team, vision two days a week. And then we have some other excellent members of staff whose primary job roles um, are connected with the running of the, the community center business here and the shop in town, but also because of the the, the nature of things, get drawn into parts of their roles uh, in the church life and ministry uh, as well. They have some responsibility to serve 
the church team. We're trying to work that out as we go along, and as things grow, it gets ever more complicated. I think we've got some work to do on, on job descriptions and staffing helpfully and, and rightly, um, but as we move forward, we want to learn to do that uh, in a way that loves one another and releases amazing gifting in the right way. Uh, in terms of other income, we don't get a grant from New Ground or, or New Frontiers uh, or anywhere else. In fact, we, we give gladly and joyfully into New Ground about £500 a month at the moment. We help to support other ministries and uh, missionaries around the world. Uh, we help to support Adrian Holloway uh, as a, an evangelist released by New Frontiers in the UK. And then we give gifts on top. We, we took an amazing gift to Ashburnham last month. All these missional activities make up the unique shape that God has called us to in loving Crawley and reaching beyond. And because of our convictions from the, the scriptures, we believe these ministries should be funded by the generous giving of the local church. Um, at the moment, we are not able to cover everything um, that, that our, our outlays on the ministries um, go out to. We have at the moment a need for the income, uh, the profit from the Caris Centre community centre that we run to help us to uh, fund our ministries as a local church. I'm really happy we've been blessed with a business which does enable us to release some income, to pay the mortgage at the moment, to pull some money across when we need it. But we really do believe that it's important for us, in line with these New Testament principles, as a church family, to carry the weight of church ministries that God has called us to live out in Crawley and beyond and for us to trust him for provision in these things. Let me hear an amen for that one. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a quieter one, but you're still in agreement. In reality, the, the gap, uh, it's hard to tell till the end of the year, but it'll probably be somewhere between 20 and 25,000 pounds for us to catch up. That's the kind of amount that we'd be pulling across from the Caris Centre income. We're not in any debt here other than our mortgage, which again, through good stewardship, is coming down month on month. But we, please hear me this morning. We do need an increase in our church giving. Uh, we have excellent stewardship in our trustees. They're men and women of faith and diligence. I'm, I'm so happy. My predecessors in leadership here, um, the setup of the shop in town, the, the, the building, I, I think they've been very wise measures that have enabled us to get through to this stage w without the burden breaking a local church. All those steps have been highly commended. But over the next year or so ahead, for our kingdom budget to be met, I, our desire is that we begin to wean ourselves off a of dependency uh, and perhaps even potentially a laziness in our discipleship, dare I say it that way, and, and, and find the increase from amongst our church giving uh, for our kingdom budget. We're working really hard to get to the point where we can say at the end of the year we've covered everything that God's called us to do and with the Caris Centre uh, we've run some great events uh, and uh, we've been able to pay our staff here, uh, do up the building a little bit more. And by the way, here's a lump of money. Lord, how can we use this to serve the kingdom of God here and around the world? Wouldn't that be amazing? That's the point we want to get to. And therefore, we're inviting you and I to think about our discipleship, to not become dependent on the business to provide what God has called us to bear. Very quickly, how do we, well, really quickly, how do we practically do this? What are we asking you to stand with us in? Um, I'm aware we have, we, we've been growing numerically uh, over the last couple of years. We've been growing through people primarily that don't come in with great big salaries and, and, and amazing businesses. I think it's part, we know it's part of our call to reach those in Crawley, the have-nots, um, 
Uh, I think that's amazing. Uh, someone once told me way back when, don't be a church that works with asylum seekers. Um, you're never going to get any benefit from them. Again, that's a contract versus covenant idea. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, it's, it's just a, a, an outrageous way to think about how the gospel works. We're really thrilled that we have the privilege of building a church in Crawley that does reach the people that don't come in with salaries and paychecks and all those kinds of things. But it does have an impact on our finances. But it is his kind of church. Uh, and so we're excited about that. We'll have here some believers who've never given before. We'll have some who have a bit of a kind of, I guess, a, a, what I call a defective, just chuck a fiver in the, in the offering plate mentality. We'll have some of us, perhaps, that have thought, oh, the business will take care of, I don't need to give now, the business will take care of that. We've got some maybe who've got a little bit lost or tired or weary in the hope that we have a God who's promised to provide. Maybe you've lost some of your sense of kingdom adventure. Perhaps we'll have some, there are always some who've lost their trust in leadership to handle their finances. Maybe there are some who just don't give. Either you've never thought of it or you're refusing to. Maybe there are some here, and I know there are, for whom joyful giving is a part of your worship, but you just want to reflect and look again at how it works for you. I'm encouraging you, just in these last couple of minutes before we pray, to think as singles, family, teenagers, do a bit of a giving review. Um, for me, that starts with praying, starts with doing a simple budget, looking at what money I've got coming in and what money goes out. Uh, and then asking, does my stewardship of this money that God's given me reflect the New Testament values that I say I have? If you're not sure how to do a budget, hey, ask for some help. We've got some amazing people here that will be so happy to help you. Elaine and the team that do the money management, I'm sure will be so pleased to sit down with some that say, I don't even know how to do a budget for my life or for my family. For us, we, uh, we, we, we look at uh, what we've got coming in through the year when we're working at our best. We look at what God's blessed us with. Uh, and we say, God, what can we have the privilege of, of giving? Um, for us, we, we do start with a 10% bottom line. We, we set up a standing order um, so that it comes out on the first of the month for us as a priority. I know that if I don't do that, there'll be months in the year where although I think I'm determined to give, I won't give, or I won't give as much because it's a bit tight that month. And so it's just a principle for us and from what the weakness of my heart uh, that I do it in that way. Um, again, I do it through a standing order. I've learned to not be so spiritual about saying, hey, it's worship, so I've got to put some actual cash in the actual offering on a Sunday. I just know my giving is stewarded better if I do it through my bank. Um, but we're learning that together. Um, and then we're looking to see, Lord, what else can we do with, with your money? Um, we're learning how to worship him in this way, the God who promises to take care of all of our needs. We do it joyfully. It's not under compulsion or duty. God doesn't want that kind of worship. I, I'm sure I've got a memory of my dad uh, at the front of a church years ago when I was quite a young boy and the offering baskets went round and he watched people just kind of... Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I remember watching my dad get a bit twitchy and he stopped the song and he sent the baskets back round again. He said, uh, please, I'm sending them around. Just, just take out what you've put in begrudgingly. Um, God doesn't want that kind of offering. Um, it's very brave of my dad. He's not like that. And uh, I've, I, ever since then, I thought I'd love to do that one day. <laughs> But, but I'm also aware of my own heart at times. And so uh, um, and giving by standing order doesn't release you from that. It's great on a Sunday to put your hands in the air and say, God, thank you. Something's come out of the bank that in this moment when offering baskets are going around is a part of my worship uh, and my commitment to you. So um, let me encourage you, husbands, wives, singles, teenagers, retired friends, disciples of Jesus Christ of any age, this is the kind of worship Jesus wants. Can I ask you to review? Can I ask you to take part in, in the prayerful privilege of reviewing our joyful giving, giving, whether it's a first step for you from today, whether you give regularly, let's review, let's recommit our hearts 
again into this way of thinking and living for Jesus. Just a word, oh, go on, just a word briefly. We talked a bit about our 2020 vision. In, in, in 2012, we, 2010, we wanted some Olympic tickets and we realised we, we're not, not going to be able to do it. And so in 2010, we started putting, we opened a little savings account and we just had £20 a month that we thought we could just about spare it. So we put £20 a month in for two years, knowing that by the time it got to the Summer Olympics, we'd have enough not just for some tickets, but to not worry about, oh, how are we going to afford the train into London and, and a pizza out with the kids afterwards and those kinds of things. We had a lump of money. I've just been thinking about our 2020 stewardship. Um, and I, for me personally, I'm wondering, is it possible for us to use that little Olympic savings account that we still have sat there? I'm thinking if we're going to be going as a church family for a, some kind of gift day in 2020, where we're saying, Lord, we, we want to give £60,000 or so into the apostolic church planting vision over and above our regular giving. I'm, I'm wondering, where's that money going to come from over and above what we currently give sacrificially? I know for me personally, I won't have it in my hand in two and a half, three years' time. I know I'll still have cars that break down, washing machines that need replacing, roofs that still leak, children that still need new shoes at the start of new term, or maybe my kids by then can buy their own shoes. Perhaps that's a good thing. Um, either way, all that stuff's going on. How am I going to live out these principles? Well, for me, a monthly amount, like the Olympic uh, savings, it shapes my heart, pulls me into prayer, um, and begins to build up an amount. Imagine if scores of us came, having done something like that, to a gift day. Imagine the joy of bringing a lump that we could never otherwise have brought with us. Some will have saved more, much more. Some will have saved less. But what a joyful privilege it would be for us, alongside our regular giving, to prove the faithfulness of God through ordinary people like us and train our hearts on the journey as disciples at the same time. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Thank you for your patience as I've been through not only some biblical principles, but also... Um, some very practical outworking of how it works here. I hope that's been helpful. If you've got any questions, please come and ask me. Um, we do have some forms. Uh, as you go out of the hall this morning, um, you'll find the small group sign-ups, which we really want you to participate in. Uh, there as well, there are some standing order forms, giving forms. Please, if, you, if you're wanting to review, or if you don't yet give, we'd love you to take one of those. I've not put one in your hands this morning. I want you to joyfully and willingly take one. Lord Jesus, I've said many words this morning, but please would you have our hearts. Please would you shape our behaviour. Lord, I, I repent of all the wrong thinking of contract and legalism and the stinginess of my heart, the fear I have sometimes that will you really be able to come through. Lord, even my best of intentions sometimes that when I'm just through this stage, I'll give, but until then I'm a bit stuck. Oh God, would you shape us as happy, joyful givers that give with thanksgiving and worship. Lord, we choose to partner with you in this expansion of the kingdom. Thank you for this opportunity for our hearts to be trained in discipleship and dependency on you, even as we come and feel the sacrifice of it together. Lord, I, I pray for us as, a, as individuals and as a church family together, we would excel in this grace of generous giving. I pray we might be disciples in Crawley who give freely and joyfully back to you what you've already given to us. I pray that you would free us. Lord, keep freeing my heart. Liberate me from all the idolatrous ways of the world and make us so distinctive as your disciples as we see you providing for our needs as we serve first your kingdom. Lord, I pray for those right now in this room that are saying yes to this but are under real financial pressure themselves. Oh God, we, we dare to say that we trust you and we want to obey the gospel, but please help us as we face big challenges. Please, would you show yourself 
to be the provider for each individual, each family that is under such a burden. Right now, oh God, we pray, open up fresh faith and fresh provision for us as we pour out our worship to you. And we pray, Lord, specifically as well for together our monthly uh, and annual giving to increase. Lord, I invite you out of your miraculous grace to close that gap uh, between what we currently rely on in the business and our own church giving. Lord, I invite you to show us that you're faithful to provide for all the ministries that you've called us to. And in doing so, even out of our weakness, Lord, as we joyfully give to expand the work of your kingdom through us. God, I dare to ask you, Lord, not only for the gap to be closed, but for us to be able to give over and above £60,000 in the year 2020. Lord, I dare to ask that you plant some seeds of faith in our hearts today. Uh, and as with all kingdom things that begin to grow, And so we say, Lord, as your children, as your disciples, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith, Lord. We give you every situation. We know you love us so much. We thank you for the gospel of grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.